0: Hi, my name's Graham Barrett. Thanks for joining us on this latest episode of the C-Suite podcast, produced in partnership with Tourette's Action, the leading support and research charity for people with Tourette's syndrome and their families. On the C-Suite podcast, we're always keen to explore issues that affect the workplace. So today we're going to be focusing on how employers can support people with Tourette's and create a truly inclusive and neurodiverse environment. And to that end, I'm delighted to introduce the panel. Ione George-Arkis, Therapies and Advocacy Manager at Tourette's Action, Trish McGrath, Chief Executive Officer at Aberystwyth University Students Union, and Luke Manton, the founder of Manton Executives. Welcome to you all. It would be great to find out how you all became involved with Tourette's Action, but before we do, Ione, could you start by giving us maybe a background to Tourette's and some of the myths you are trying to dispel as a charity?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Graham. So thanks for having us on today. It's really exciting to have a chance to discuss this and share the panel with some some other tickers and, and people who have engaged with Tourette's Action. So as you mentioned, I'm the therapies and advocacy manager at Tourette's Action. I'm also an adult with Tourette's syndrome and an occupational therapist. And I use my lived and professional experience to to train and upskill people on all things tics and Tourette's, essentially anyone who will listen to me. But Tourette's is, I suppose, still an incredibly misunderstood and stigmatised condition. There are a lot of myths that surround tics and Tourette's. And I think that in my experience, unless you work in the profession, you love or live with someone with this condition, then you only understand the myths and you don't necessarily know what the reality of this condition is. So tics and Tourette's, first of all, isn't rare. It impacts around 300,000 people in the UK alone, one in 100 school-aged children. And in all honesty, it is likely to be much more prevalent than that, much more common than that. But we know that there are so many barriers to accessing assessment and treatment for for tics and Tourette's. It is a neurodevelopmental condition, which means it, it typically starts in childhood. That's not everyone's experience. And it causes involuntary sounds and movements called tics. And these tics can be simple, so kind of single stage, quite small movements or sounds. And they can also be incredibly complex. They can be sentences and words and noises and sequences of movements. And I think that the beauty of tics and Tourette's is it looks incredibly different on everyone and everyone is unique and individual in, in their experience of it. It's a hereditable condition, so we often see it run in families. That doesn't necessarily mean that a direct relative will have Tourette's, but often that's that kind of experience of neurodivergence within the family, so autism, ADHD, and beyond The other thing that I suppose I like to to share or to to kind of comment on is this really, really, really significant myth that everyone with tics and Tourette's swears. So the swearing feature of tics and Tourette's is what we call coprolalia. And this impacts a minority of the Tourette's community, around 15 to 20 percent. I think it's important to give voice to the fact that the minority of individuals with Tourette's who do have these symptoms face the biggest challenges accessing employment and leisure and rest and well-being they are the people who are most at risk of kind of stigma and the kind of self-stigma as well as social and societal stigma. And also we know that individuals with the, the most severe Tourette's profiles are more at risk of having these copro-phenomena symptoms. So it's almost the kind of the perfect storm. But it's not the experience of everyone. And it's important that we are able to accept and accommodate and embrace every individual profile and presentation of tics and Tourette's, however it may look.
0: Well, as you said, Tourette's is widely misunderstood. You've dispelled so many of the myths there. How helpful was it when someone like Lewis Capaldi, for example, last year revealed that he had Tourette's? How did that increase the spotlight on Tourette's? And was that helpful to you as an organisation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, off the back of that incredible and in, you know, in my opinion, moving, touching performance that he he did at Glastonbury, we had lots of interest and curiosity from the public, from businesses, from organizations who were looking to to better understand this condition. And I think what is wonderful is that as we have kind of high profile people in society who with this diagnosis, sharing their experiences, the challenges that they face and the beauty of it and the difficulties and the strengths that come with it, we can hopefully increase kind of not only public awareness, but also to mitigate some of the barriers that people have in getting a diagnosis. Because actually, lots of people only see this really extreme, slightly kind of human narrative depiction of tics and Tourette's on their TV screens. And they think, well, if I'm not swearing, or if it doesn't look like this, then it can't be tics and Tourette's. And actually, we know that that isn't the case. You know, for a diagnosis of Tourette's, you need multiple movement and at least one vocal tick for over a year. So, actually, that can look incredibly different on everybody. So, having these people saying, This is my condition, this is how it looks for me, this is how I experience it, can help people to spot their own differences or potential kind of ticks in their children, in their families, and hopefully get not only support but a community and the ability to self-advocate alongside that so thanks
0: Lewis. (laughs) Okay well let's bring our other guests into the conversation now Trish tell me about how the relationship between Tourette's Action and the Aberystwyth University Students Union came about.
2: Well as a student's union, I suppose we already challenge ourselves to be uh, inclusive and consider kind of how a, a real diverse range of students and people can get involved in our activities. And I think, you know, we've been ahead of that curve for a very long time with kind of gender based politics and sexuality and identities. We've been looking at race equity and the challenges around that and physical disabilities for a really long time. But I think if we're all really honest, it was only pre-COVID we started to look at neurodiversity and we had some great training. We trained all our staff team to look at neurodiversity. It fascinates me now that Tourette's isn't included in that. When we looked at it, it wasn't part of it. And when you consider the prevalence of Tourette's versus, say, autism, correct me if I'm wrong, Ione, it's, it's about 1.1% diagnosed population with autism. And as you said before, around 1% with Tourette's. It really surprises me now that that isn't, isn't looked at. And so I think, you know, we were already very open-minded and changed a lot of our practice to be as inclusive as we could to neurodiverse people. I got an ADHD diagnosis myself as a 40 year old woman during the pandemic and opened my eyes even further, but it was only really um, when we had one of our elected students, so five students were elected to work with us each year, and a couple of years ago one of those elected students was our disabled students officer Cameron And Cameron is very open about his multiple kind of neurodiverse conditions, including Tourette's. Cameron fits into that smaller percentage that I only talked about before, where he had quite complex vocal tics and um, he was really anxious about starting with us. So as we do with all of those people, we we sit down with all the people who are elected. We sit down and have a chat and kind of think, you know, how how are you going to get the best out of this year that you're with us? It became instantly obvious to me that the first thing we needed to do was Cameron needed to slot right in and not be worried about what other people might think of him or what might happen or what he might say or what he might do. And the best way to do that for me was to get our staff trained. So I had a quick Google and found Tourette's Action and got in touch with them. And what an eye opener that was. So it was actually Ione that did our training so we trained the whole staff team Cameron was invited to that training as well so that he could see what everybody um, was talking about and he could contribute to it and, and yeah we we spent an hour and a half with Ioni upskilling ourselves and increasing our knowledge and then we changed our practice from there so yeah that's how we first got involved and then we wanted to deliver more training so we did more work with senior university staff and other students and Ioni and um, Tourette's Action delivered that for us as well.
0: Excellent great to hear your story Luke, let's bring you into the conversation now. As I said at the top of this podcast, we're really keen to see how Tourette's is kind of understood in the workplace and how employers deal with people who who might have Tourette's. So I'd love it if you could share your
3: story. Of course. So, oh, fuck off. As you can hear, I fit into the smaller percentage of people with with the non-socially accepted version, apparently, of Tourette. Balls. so I had like quite of a bit, like an unusual story Tourette's what 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 wise. my symptoms didn't start until my mid twet, twet, 20s I ooh, shit, suffered damage to my bret, 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 brain and following that that ooh, fuck off oh that's when the tics fully came out I always thought I'd had nothing but it turns out on further research a little bit of information my parents had never told me was that I used to double blink as a child and had a few minor tit tit, tit tics and that was that but nothing oh fuck off wait To this extent, once I was not necessarily diagnosed, once my symptoms had started and I was in that process of waiting for a diagnosis, I was kind of, oh, fuck off, at a bit of a loss of like what it was, like when will it go, 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 will it disappear as fast as it, fuck you, as it started. During that time, I kind of had no diagnosis, so there's no protection that comes with that, 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 people don't know, oh, about any other tick disorder, let alone t- 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 Tourette's. I, personally, I didn't even know that an adult could get t- 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 Tourette's until it happened to meet me. me. And <laughs> um, Because of that, I lost my j- 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 job. They called it invited, I was invited to leave, which is just a nice way of saying you're fired.
0: So how did they approach, so, sorry to jump in, but how did they approach that? And what, what kind of reasons did they give for letting
3: you go? So I managed a large corporate dental pr- pr- practice. And on top of that, I was the, oh, the national head of marketing. Uh, so I was based in my practice, but during that, that that that, that they have, oh, fuck off, like a government regulator that will come and give you essentially a license. Anything like this happens, you need to renew, re, re, renew it. I failed based on, oh, clear communication. So due to that failure of this clear communication, oh, because my stammer was also a lot worse, worse, worse back then too. It was deemed that I was unsafe to be able to manage in that role. I could have technically done Oosh, continued to do the marketing role but they thought it was easier for me if it was just a sort of clean break 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 now I'd worked so hard in everything to get the position I had had, had, had. so not only did I have this sudden onset of tick 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 ticks I then had no career no way to pay my mortgage no options Oh, I had a string of interviews trying to get jobs that I was more than qualified for, for, for and oh, fucking hell. Oy, balls. my CV would get me in. But as soon as they met me, it was an instant no, 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 no. And I'm finding so many companies at the time were preaching that we want equality, we want diversity, but they don't want equality or diversity that looks like, oh, fucking out. I do. Or someone that's gonna swear at their clients, they would prefer I was just quiet and oh, had a disability that meant that I didn't have to be that noticeable noticeable and I had I had so many interviews and I think the worst one was I'd oh I'd, it was a company I'd kind of always wanted to work for for for. i I'd done that online aptitude test and there were four of them and they weren't short tests like this took a lot of t- t- time I tailored my application specifically a cover letter specifically I tweaked my CV I did the aptitude test and then I kind of got that like glimmer of hope because poof oh, I was very close to giving up at this point. And I think this was nearly eight months in to searching for a job. Oosh. Due to the scores on my aptitude test, they sent me a really nice email. Um, Said they'd read my application, my CV and, the sc- and this. Oosh. And the scores have kind of let me bypass the first round of interviews. So in my head, I'd kind of like sold it. I thought, oh, this is, this is it. I've sorted the problem. I'm going to get this job. <laughs> the second round of interviews, I think I was up against three other people. Fucking okay, hell. Oh, yeah. Interview was booked for an hour and a half. I drove an hour to get that, 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 well, my partner drove me. And um, Oosh. Oosh. and once I got it, 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 it in, it started straight away. The receptionist was so rude to me, 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 me. I think she thought I'd got lost at first or I was in the wrong place. She asked me just point blank in front of other people waiting. Like, what is wrong with you? Why? Oosh. Oosh. Like, what is all of this? So I explained it and. She looked really concerned. Made a quick phone call, and then she said she'd walk me in. Oh, she walked me into the interview room, and there was a panel of four people. I had a printed interview pack on the de- de- desk with my name on it. Obviously, an hour and a half time I'm about to spend with these people. She explained for me what my condition, what 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 what, what was. My tics were worse than normal because I was nervous anyway, which is what happens. Any kind of heightened emotion is going to increase your tics. I then had to stand there like an absolute tit while they spoke about me to each other and then told me that I wouldn't be suitable for the role but they really appreciated me applying they didn't even give me an interview out of like courtesy (laughs) that was it so I was in there I think maximum four minutes that was kind of like when I was at my lowest and that following that And I've spoke about it before, but I following that, I tried to take my own life because I thought I have, I, I hate the way I am now. now, now. I hate this condition. I it was isolating. I couldn't find a way out of it. Following that, 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 that was when I found Tourette's action. I finally got to speak to people who had the same condition. I Because I'd never met anyone with Tourette's. I didn't know anyone else. I got a load of extra information. And that meeting other people was kind of that type like bit of self-acceptance that I need, 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 needed. And it gave me that boost to think, if no one's gonna employ me, 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 me then I'll just employ myself, self, self. And I used the skills I had, had, had and I started my company. Initially, the advice I was given by a neurologist, <laughs> no, 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 no less, was don't try and do anything like that. It's too stressful for someone with your condition. Here's a list of the benefits you can click, click, claim. Just do that. And I remember the the total for the benefits was £930 per month collectively. And I thought, if I can earn more than that myself, then I've done, I've 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 won. Like I've kind of done it. <coughs> Oosh. I, fuck off. I started my company just based on the skills I had, 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 had. It was originally under the umbrella of a virtual assistant and admittedly a week before, I didn't even know what a virtual assistant was, but I thought, well, just go, <laughs> we'll go with, <laughs> go with it and see what happens initially it was like quite, quite quiet but I was kind of getting these small bookings in and I was so proud of myself and it had given me that confidence to do, 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 do it and then a further building of confidence I shared my story just on I think it was like a 50 50 second video or something on LinkedIn about um like that I had to, 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 to Tourette's and I kind of wanted to oh fuck you bitch make people aware that you could still have a career or still do something with it and then since then everything had kind of blown up and I've I've been fully booked since. I now have two offices. I have a team of nine, and it's it's just absolutely what 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 wild.
0: Yeah, it's it's an incredible story, you know. And I just cannot imagine going to an interview, being as nervous as anyone is for an interview, doing so well on an aptitude test, and then basically being told straight away that you're not going to get the job. It's absolutely disgusting. There's lots of things to unpick there. Ioni, from your perspective at Torex Action, what's your initial reaction to that story?
1: I mean, Luke, you blow me away every day. It's it's amazing, number one, to hear you speak. And I think you're just such a testament to the ingenuity, the resilience, the creativity, the motivation, the drive, the compassion, you know, the skills that are so often embedded in the neurodivergent community. And if people and if employers and if organisations are unwilling to make very, very simple most of the time, reasonable adjustments, mainly, let's be honest, that relate to understanding, compassion and acceptance, which costs nothing, then actually they don't deserve to harness the incredible skills and talents that sit well beyond the general population that individuals like Luke have. And I'm so sorry that you ever had to live through that discrimination in order to come to to the amazing point that you are at now. And you really are. It's so great to see. And I think you're such an incredible role model for people in the Tourette's community who feel that they can't do it, and we know we speak to young people with this condition, and they say, "I'm terrified for what my future is going to look like. You know, will I get married? Will I drive? Will I have a business? Will I?" Of course, you will. Of course, you will. But you need, you know, pioneers such as Luke. They're showing that this this can be done, and that we are always there at Tourette's Action to to offer any support, input, advice, or advocacy that we can to help you on on your way. Luke,
0: just come back to you briefly, because obviously we want this podcast to educate, we want it to inform, we want it to, to make sure that nobody goes through those experiences again. What are some of the kind of practical steps that Tourette's Action gave you that that really helped you along the way?
3: One of the big things they did, which was absolutely huge for me at the time, and I think for them may have been a relatively small thing, but they ran group sessions of other people with Tourette's. And that used to be like the highlight of my calendar. And during the, 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 the those, we'd have a moderator in there for an hour, just starting those conversations, because oh, I think Tourette's is an odd condition in that it'll make people stare at you. It makes you the center of the attention, but a lot of people with Tourette's don't want to talk they don't want to be the center of att- t- attention so having somewhere or someone from Tourette's in that call, starting those conversations asking those quick, 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 quick questions being there to give you that information you want that's when you start chatting to other people with Tourette's and you realize that oh I'm not the only one that's like staying awake at night because I can't stop ticking like I'm the I'm not the only one, one, one that can't can't go into a food shop on my own and I think those kind of things were like it just took away that isolation, which then allows you to kind of just get on with what you wanted to do, 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 do and build that confidence back up. They also did a thing, which was an in-person event, which I went for the whole weekend where they just hire an entire hotel. And it was just filled with, پ- <laughs> filled with people with tu- 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 Tourette's, which was as entertaining as you could Im- Im- imagine. It's stuff like that. Like that, that is an invaluable experience that number one, I will never forget. Number two had an enormous impact on not only like how I live my life in general, but how I like see myself and I will genuinely never forget, forget, forget it. But stuff like that, which no other charity would do, could, could do because they don't have the knowledge or the basis for it. But it's just absolutely wild the like difference it makes. I think I was shocked personally at how, how much of an impact it had.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant to hear. But of course, I only, mean, the onus isn't on the individual with Tourette's at all, is it? It's on the employers, it's on the organization. So, talk to me a little bit about the responsibilities that an employer has to, you know, in an interview situation or once someone with Tourette's is employed, what responsibilities do they have to the individual?
1: Absolutely. And it's it's such a nice point that you make there, Graham. It's not the responsibility of the employee to self-advocate, to educate. So it's really important that employers feel confident and able to explore reasonable adjustments and to put those in place. So absolutely starting with interviews i mean interviews are just a nightmare for for any of us on the best day whereas you know and when you're living with a condition that's so stigmatized that your symptoms increase when you're anxious or excited or you know full of anticipation then interviews become an an even bigger hurdle. And I think that Luke kind of raised that quite nice point there. Well, it wasn't nice, unfortunately, Luke, but that you know, even for the interview, when you have to drive an hour to get somewhere, you're almost already setting yourself up for failure because the anxiety, the travel, the exhaustion, possibly suppression on public transport or getting there, that in itself can already be uh, a barrier. So I always recommend offering, if possible and if suitable for the role, hybrid interview formats. What work Best for you? Do you want to be in your comfortable space, your controlled sensory environment of your bedroom, somewhere that you are familiar with, that you can have written or verbal prompts around you, you can take a break more easily? asking proactively about reasonable adjustments. We're not waiting for someone to come to the door and suddenly, oh, well, this this building isn't wheelchair accessible. They they haven't written a prompt sheet, you know, they haven't put an example of the questions for me to scribble some notes on to mitigate the fact that my memory won't be as effective today because I'm anxious and I, I have a neuro, neurological difference. So we're asking people, we're not making them come to us. So we're saying what's going to help you? What can we do? And we are implementing that if it is reasonable, if it's within our capabilities as an employer, as a recruiter. I highly recommend where possible providing interview questions to applicants beforehand, not just neurodivergent applicants, but we can all benefit from having a visual prompt, but we know that people with tics and tourettes could could find that quite helpful. Opportunities for breaks, avoiding an hour and a half interview, you know, having to be that tense and that kind of performative and aware and anxious for an hour and a half feels unnecessary and unethical really and if you do have this this major interview process can we break it down can we put breaks in can we put social opportunities in there opportunities to meet the team or shadow you know let's let's make it valuable and interesting and relevant for the applicant as well avoiding kind of massive pretests that don't necessarily have that much of an impact on the job role or don't really tell you that much about someone's ability to do the job role which can then become kind of quite heartbreaking if you get to that interview stage you don't get it and you've actually put in sort of seven hours into the application process in itself seven free stress-filled hours so where possible I think that could be really helpful and beyond the the interview process you know when you're hopeful I'm going to say when not if when you secure your dream job role exploring what people can do to help you to thrive in that job role so I mean neurodiversity and neurodivergent individuals are widely Linked with what we call a spiky profile, so kind of really incredible skills and strengths that, like I said, sit well above and beyond the the general population, and also some some differences and some challenges and some difficulties. So, if we can support our our colleagues and our employees to recognise what those strengths and what those challenges are, what we can do to reduce the challenges and to harness or increase opportunities to work in a way that you are most skilled, most confident, most competent, then we're going to get the best. From our employees, we at Tourette's Action say that reasonable adjustments for tics and Tourette's kind of fall into three main categories. So, adapting the task and the process—you know, what uh, digital resources can we put in? What reminders? What what human support can we make this job role feel more manageable for you? But also adapting the physical environment, considering the sensory space and kind of where someone's able to sit, how someone can move their body and engage w- their body in what they need to do. But last and definitely not least, in my opinion, the most important reasonable adjustment is adapting the social environment. And, you know, as Trish beautifully raised, this is the thing that allows us as tickers to go into work and to feel safe, to make the sounds and noises that our bodies need to, in order to kind of to function and to be well. Ticks and Tourette's are associated with what we call a rebound effect. So this idea that some people with the condition are able to suppress or hold in some of their ticks for a period of time. But often what happens is that they go home at the end of their working day and all of those suppressed ticks will leak out and that absolutely ruins our occupational balance you know people don't have energy to play with their children to go to their exercise class they might not be able to sleep in the evening because they've got this rebound of of ticks and anxiety and it's completely unethical we are saying to people my comfort and me being able to focus in this office space is more important than your comfort and you being able to focus in this office space I will tell teachers employers friends family members, if you want the best from someone with tics and Tourette's, let them tick. You know, if someone is holding in their tics, if I'm suppressing my tics, You are getting probably 30, 40% of me. My working memory is poor and tense. I'm unable to kind of authentically be who I am. And and that that shouldn't be the case for anyone. So we want to allow people to to be themselves and to feel that their team truly understand the nature of this condition. And that's why we do employer training. And that's why we have online resources available for employees and employers who are working with someone with ticks and Tourette's or who are looking for a job as someone with ticks and Tourette's and we hope that that the knowledge is is power and that we can hopefully avoid situations in the future like Luke had to, to experience in those years. and we're moving away from that, I hope. But we've got a while to go, I think.
0: Yeah. no, so uh, yeah, depressingly, it sounds like we have. Yeah, brilliantly put. thanks for that. I mean, Trish, let, let, let me come to you now. I mean I'm sure you've got well, it looks like you're you'd like to share your thoughts. Go for it.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh all this rage. All of this rage from Luke's story is just crushed into my chest here. I just wanted to add to it, uh, you know, what I only was saying around recruitment, because I think what's really important here is that when people talk about inclusivity and when people talk about, you know, yeah, we will, you know, acceptance and people can come to us and we're the kind of organization that's going to let these people, you know, anyone thrive, people need to really challenge if that's to a level, because, you know what? Yeah. Like I only was talking about some of those adaptions to interviews. And I think it's whether or not people, there's a stigma around what level you can get to with certain diverse conditions. So yeah, you might be able to come in and do certain jobs and those interviews that are around an hour long, et cetera, are a pain. Try going for a CEO interview. My interview was a day. Sometimes it involves going for a meal overnight. Thankfully mine didn't. And then the next day as well. So how on earth is somebody supposed to come and take part in that if they have a number of diverse conditions, particularly when you think around Tourette's? So, you know, one of the things that I don't think has been said yet is that that there are a lot of co-occurring conditions. It's likely that someone with Tourette's will also have another or multiple co-occurring neurodiverse conditions as well. I think people need to challenge themselves. Employers need to challenge themselves to think, even if they are accepting, does it have a limit? does it have a progression limit? Because is it, you know, Luke was talking about being a, a practice manager. Is it, oh, well, that will be okay. Can we imagine people in certain roles, but not in others? Because I know um, when I came for my job and, you know, in, in a lot of jobs, people will ask, you know, what, what are your development needs? And I remember thinking, well, I look like this, right? I've got tattoos and I look like this and I move a lot. And um, I'm, I'm chatty Annie, right? I'm not composed and... I remember thinking I've got to use this opportunity to say, you know, when I don't have a tick condition. So I can't even imagine the level of anxiety in my head, knowing that I'm a little bit different. I just sort of said, you know, there are development um, areas that I have that you would expect me to talk about, such as, you know, have I organized a budget for a two million pound charity before? No. But actually, what I'm most conscious of is that chief execs don't look like me. And so in your head, you may not be able to see me as a chief exec. And I think people challenging those associations with neurodiversity and intelligence and also professional ability are the two key things for me that I want to push and that I I push onto the people that I interact with who lead the charities and organizations, because it is uncomfortable to them to do that. It's not easy. It's easy to say that you're inclusive, But actually, is it okay if you've got a chief executive who has very severe dyslexia? Are you happy that they can't spell, that their emails are, you know, because, you know, we talked about being able to put things in place and the difference between that and acceptance. And sometimes those adjustments help people thrive. And, you know, I've got dyslexic staff who, you know, we talked about. Would it be helpful to have, you know, you can get software that will help them check their spelling, help them organize a sentence, et cetera. But actually, is that always necessary? Or can we all just accept that? Do you understand what that email meant? Do you understand what they're trying to say? So why do we need to do all of this stuff around the edges to bring it back to a neurotypical, acceptable, professional end result? Things that are professional are sitting still, not fidgeting, being quiet, being able to phrase things in a very particularly intellectual way, how you interact with other people, being able to have small talk, being able to socialise and network and all of these things. And actually, those are all really hard with any sort of neurodiversity. But with Tourette's, I imagine it's the anxiety-inducing horror of going into a room of people who have varying levels of awareness. It must just be a complete block. So I think, you know, all of these adjustments are, are great, But ultimately, people just have to get real that the awfulness of that experience, Luke, that people did that to you just makes me scream uh, inside my head for days. But what a loss for them, too. But they'll never know that loss. Whereas you did. And you asked before about Lewis Capaldi. And yeah, Lewis is great. But where are, like, Luke, actually, what brilliant role model that's not in the creative industry? Because when you look at people who are role models... For neurodiverse people or people with Tourette syndrome, who are they that are successful in business and uh, leading their own companies? And there are a lot of creative people, and that's wonderful. If you, if your goal is to be a creative person,
0: absolutely. What would be good then now is to talk about how the workplace could and should look. Trish, I'll come back to you in a second just to talk about maybe some of the steps you've introduced at Aberystwyth. with. But Luke, maybe come back to you first. I mean, obviously, I would assume that because of your horrendous experiences that your workplace looks completely different to that one employer where you went for interview.
3: It absolutely does. And I have this rant so often businesses just need to take a small financial hit to make the biggest difference. I say this time and time again, like I've I've made so many changes here to make people comfortable. In my team, we have ADHD, autism, dyslexia, dyspraxia, oosh, OCD and Tourette's. So oosh, I have a naturally diverse team anyway. Wait, wait. This office I'm in now is actually next door to my normal office and this is what we use as just a chill out space we've got tv sofas that kind of th- 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 thing which anyone is welcome to come in here when when they need to to, to whether they want to work in here or just want some time out, out, out. they have flexible schedules they can work from home when they need to to, to 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 to. funnily enough they all choose to work in the office and we all work together the majority like probably 99 of the time or oh, if they need a break, they can take breaks whenever they want, what, 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 want. If they, oh, if they need to phone in sick, for example, I do not need a phone call. It's not up to me to tell you how sick you are or how you're feeling as long. Just let me know if it's a text or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> get, 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 get care. I just want to know you're OK and that you won't be that, 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 that. I'll deal with the rest. rest. Oh, when I have meetings, for example, I'm not going to be like, we've got a big meeting tomorrow at three, and then leave it at that. I'll tell them next week, we're going to have a meeting. Here's the points I'm going to bring up. Jump on that doc and add anything in you want. We have a catch-all email address that everyone has a login to. I was like, if you want to tell me something privately to add to the list, email me from that one, and I'll add it to the li- 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 list. Oosh, I'll always back them when, when there's issues with clients, I because it's a lot easier for me to replace a client than replace someone in my team and I think quite a lot of the times in business you get you don't get backed up enough by the people that are in management or by your boss, boss, boss and I need all of them to know that they have that level of support so I still have I have two managers now in this team and both of them have been trained to work exactly the way I do and they all say how free and it is and it does seem really chilled and really relaxed here and it is but everyone gets their stuff done we have let people go in the past one because he kind of came from a solidly corporate background ground, and I suppose here does seem incredibly relaxed when you get to that but I think in in a sad way sometimes like that these like my team have probably been so used to having to fit into a normal box and try their best to work and struggle that when they're kind of free now to do work how they want they're just absolutely flying through it because they're comfortable so I've put I've made so many rules around comfort and just being accepting and I think it's coming away from that whole like it's so like 1980s of like 1980s corporate world of like this is how you dress this is the time you get here like we stamp in we stamp out kind of thing and I've just got rid of all of it. Our policies are easy to read. Our contracts are easy to read. We have like an audio version of each one, not that anyone in their right mind would want to listen to it, but that's just an option. And I think anything that can be done, we do do. And yeah, I just find, I find to me, I I think it's common sense to do these things. I want these people to work their best. I want them to stay mainly because I did test recruitment, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, And I love working with all of them. And we've just made it as easy and chilled as possible. And it absolutely baffles me that people are missing out because I have some of the most talented people in their industry in this team. And they've just been passed over by others. And now those companies that originally passed them over are applying to work with us for us to do the same work that they would have done for them. Um, I'm clearly doing something right, but I still come under a lot of criticism for doing things differently oh you can't be too friendly with your team if you give them an inch you'll run a mile and that mindset is fucking balls horse, pretty much um that mindset is so outdated that you it needs to it needs to change because i'm doing it and i'm doing it well, 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 well. so personally i would know ne- i don't think i would ever go back to working in just a typical place now nah, 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 nah.
0: can we all come and work with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just to pick up pick on up one of the things you said there, it is common sense and it obviously comes very naturally to you, maybe because of your past experiences, but obviously it doesn't come naturally to the vast majority of employees, which is, you know, what we're trying to sort out here. Uh, Trish, come back to you. Just tell me a little bit about how the workplace looks at the Students' Union and Aberystwyth, with and what maybe some of the measures you've implemented.
2: I mean, you know, Luke was talking about the diversity of his team. My team looks very spicy too. And I think one of the things I'd say that's really important for employers to do is to to look at look at the shape of their organization. So what what are their demographics? Do they do they even know? So check those out anonymously, obviously, but see if you can understand the kind of diversity of your organization, including neurodiversity. And in that when I talk about neurodiversity, you know, I'm being inclusive of Tourette's there. Because if you are a very neurotypical organization and and you you don't have um, a diverse range of people in your organization, you probably need to look at something. And there's something that you're doing there along the way. So I think just, you know, understanding the broad picture and then taking action based on what that picture tells you is really important. The most simple way I can put it is be humans and accept that the people who work for you are humans too. So, you know, having lots of conversations around clarity is really key here. You know, is it clear what is expected of people at work? How are you going to measure their success? And is there an opportunity for them to tell you what is going to get in the way of that? And is that able to be a really open discussion about whether or not it is, you know, I actually don't have the knowledge or I don't have a particular skill or is it actually there's something going on here with my neurodiversity that's going to get in the way? Because it's really vulnerable to say that, to say, actually, it's me. It's something that my brain does. I can't I can't go on a course for that. So don't, don't put me on a time management course ever again please anyone it doesn't make me any better at managing my time right give me an apple watch that gives me reminders that's cool for example and um, so being able to have those conversations of what you know how are you doing and what's getting in the way of you being amazing and we have happiness scores we have monthly one-to-ones that have a happiness score as part of it because actually i want people to bring their full selves to work and be happy you know if, if something is very difficult at home then it's going to spill into work. So I think, you know, investing in things like employee assistance programs that allow people to get support for non-work things, whatever that is, is really key. We do that and we do a lot of things, you know, it about look at your whole organization and evaluate it for accessibility and inclusivity. So, you know, we talked about recruitment, talked about giving questions in advance, and um, We've been doing that for about four years, and when we started doing it, it's, it's more kind of happening now. When I talk to other students' unions, for example, it's quite prevalent that people would turn around and go, "What? Should you give people the questions in advance? Yes. Well, doesn't that mean they're going and they don't get beyond that? Because what they're going to say is, doesn't that mean they're going to prepare their answer? Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean they're going to be able to give their best answer and represent themselves the best they can? I think it might. I think that's what I'm trying to do here.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, actually, you say that. Yeah, of course, a considered response is much better than a spontaneous one.
2: It's challenging your preconceptions. If, if you are neurotypical and that is how you work, you really need to start to try and think differently. And it must be very hard. I don't know what it's like because my brain is different. I try and evaluate all areas. So in recruitment, what, would it, what are the barriers? Can you see them? Get organisations in if you can't do it to look at what you're doing. But I think the biggest thing is challenging behaviour it goes against those values living as values is being really important part of your business and one of those values being around inclusivity and getting the best out of your when I say that I think about it's getting the best out of the people who work for me that benefits me as an SU you know I think I'm seen as quite fluffy sometimes and a little bit you know slightly wacky but we are achieving you know our students union wins awards in our sector We have very high engagement. You know, 60% of our students were involved in the Students' Union last year. We're not doing this at the expense of our productivity or our work. It achieves it. But yeah, I think it's things like practical things like signatures, email signatures. We all have them. Do we use them? So our email signatures say, for example, um, something along the lines of, you know, lots of our team have neurodiverse conditions that bring, you know, a plethora of strengths but may mean that they don't reply to this email or that their spelling isn't great. So please, you know, focus on the message we're trying to give you, not the words that are used. Feel free to nudge us if you don't hear back from us when you'd like or to get in touch. And then um, if when we have meetings, telling people someone in your staff team has Tourette's if they're coming in to do something with you so that that person doesn't have to tell them. It's really simple. It's just being accepted that actually when you come here, someone that will have Tourette's, this may mean that they do x y and z cool don't worry about it you just do your training thank you and we have it in um our meeting invites and things like that when cameron was working with us so that it was just our expectation is they're there you deal with that that's normal thank you and using signatures and kind of those those tools that we already have when you organize a meeting to just tell people routinely that that's the way it is
0: well no thanks for that trish let's try and um kind of conclude this podcast if we can it's been fascinating conversation with you all Luke how does your association with Tourette's Action continue because I'm I'm sure you're very proud to be involved with those guys
3: absolutely so now it's almost like a full circle moment so now we're a corporate sponsor of Tourette's Action so we donate to them every month 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 we support what they do on so 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 socials um and we have we haven't actually told them yet. So this will be a nice surprise for Ioni. <laughs> we have um plans for a fundraiser in the summer that the whole team's taking part of or, on. Oosh, and that'll be to directly benefit Tourette's action as well.
0: Brilliant. Breaking news on the podcast. We love it. <laughs> and Ioni, let's finish up with you. And yeah, what work still needs to be done? Do you think? We've spoken about a lot of the the measures that that need to be addressed in the workplace. Try and sum those up briefly if you can and talk about tourist action moving forward.
1: Ah, yeah, the challenge of summing up for loads of busy brains there, Graham. You're trying to keep us all in check. Luke, thank you for your organisation's generosity. It's so nice to see that full circle, loop. We value you greatly i guess graham we want to kind of continue to work on a, a targeted individual level so we will advocate for you and we will work with your employer to help you to survive to thrive to stay in work to stay in education to access the world around you but we also want to work kind of i guess more woof, on a national level there are no nice guidelines which are kind of clinical assessment prescription guidelines for Tourette syndrome yet, and our amazing kind of chief executive Emma McNally is working tirelessly to 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 get that and to increase kind of access essentially to diagnosis because it's very hard to understand yourself and advocate for yourself and accept yourself if you don't know what makes you different and what support you might need. So I think that that's really really important and to increase general understanding and reduce stigma of this condition because uh, people living with this condition are. are beautiful and bizarre and bright and capable and and skilled in so many ways that we don't want them to be held back by inaccurate misconceptions, I suppose.
0: A brilliant way to sum up. Thank you, Ione. And I want to thank you all. As I said just before, this has genuinely been a fascinating conversation. I think a lot of people listening to this will take a lot from it well that's what i really hope anyway so trish mcgrath i need george arkis luke Manson. thanks so much for your time today you can find out more about the fantastic work that ione and her team are doing at touretts-action.org.uk have i got that right ione good stuff she is she's not in a way i've got that right thankfully i was looking around that earlier in the professional section There is an excellent fact sheet for employers with guidance on how business can help and support people, Tourette. So I do implore you to check that out. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to contribute to the discussion, you can find the C-Suite podcast on LinkedIn and all the other social media channels. And finally, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do that via the contact form at c But for now, from me, Graham Barrett, And all my guests, thanks for listening and goodbye.